0: Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank God for Jesus. Somebody ought to shout amen right there. Uh, Have you thanked him today that you woke up clothed in your right mind? Uh, I'm thankful today that I don't have to be overtaken by anxiety and fear and worry and frustration and all this manner of stuff uh, because he's granted me a sound mind. Now, Tina said that sound mind has to be clear. Doesn't mean that you can't be crazy, right? Uh, I can be a little crazy. Come on, it's all right. We can all be a little crazy sometimes, but a sound mind means it's settled in the foundation of God's word and the cares of the world don't push me to fear and anxiety and all manner of other things. All right, if you have your Bible this morning, I'm gonna go ahead and invite you to join me in Acts chapter one. So if you'll go ahead and start turning there to Acts chapter one, and we're gonna do a couple of things housekeeping-wise, just getting started. First of all, if you look on the chairs in front of you, About every other chair has a pocket. On that pocket, you'll see a QR code. That is for us to have a way to minister to you more effectively. So if you're our guest today, would you hit that with your phone and give us a little information so that we can uh, know how more better to effectively minister to you. And so please take advantage of that. Um, You're going to hear about some other opportunities uh, as we go along the sermon uh, this week about living the mission. And so have you found your place to Acts chapter number one? Okay, as you've made your way there, remember that Luke and Acts, written by the same human author, and the human author is a man by the name of Luke, all right? And Luke, by occupation, was a physician, and part of his writing uh, sort of reveals that because he takes uh, care to to pay attention to details. Now, you hope if your doctor's a good doctor, he or she uh, is better pay attention to the details. The details are what kind of determines what's going on. So, as he's recorded the gospel according to Luke, remember he wrote it to a man by the name of Theophilus. And the purpose of that letter to Theophilus, the gospel according to Luke, was to prove to Theophilus by an ordered account that the life and the times and the teachings and the death and the resurrection and ascension of Jesus were absolutely true. Okay, so he went through all that to remind Theophilus and tell him that everything that he said was true. And when you flow into his second letter, it's addressed to the same recipient, to Theophilus, all right? But this time, you're going to find in the introduction that what he's saying is, now uh, uh, Luke says to Theophilus, I'm going to teach you about, I'm going to tell you about what happened uh, after the resurrection and and to the ascension of Jesus' life and the impact that what I told you about in the Gospel according to Luke had on people's lives. That's why it's called ACTS, A-C-T-S. It's the actions of those who have put their hope and trust in Jesus. In other words, uh, uh, the life of a believer is radically different in action than an unbeliever. Somebody shout amen right there. Okay, that's the whole premise, and that helps us get a firm footing as to where we're getting started. And by the way, isn't it great to have all the seats filled in the house this morning, amen? And 8.30 uh, worship, had a lot of folk in there too. And so uh, let you know, you may not know that we also have an 8.30 worship time. So if you're a little crowded, uh, if you don't like that feeling of being crowded, then then come down, 8.30's got a few more seats available, all right? Now let's dive in, Acts chapter 1. And as we read this, uh, I want you to, to consider all that we've talked about. And I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet this morning in honor of reading God's Word. And you guys look really good this morning. I'm in a wake, and, uh, and I saw like 12 smiles. That's, a, that's some kind of record, I'm telling you. And uh, you probably because you saw the other group got out of here early, and you got in a little easier, and you're thinking, yeah, it's going to be a little shorter. Um, so that may be why you got the smile. I don't care. I'm just glad that you're smiling. I know sometimes we don't feel like smiling. I know sometimes life circumstances don't dictate smiling. But at the same time, there's an overarching truth, and that is that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And because of that, we can smile, even through tears. So I'm glad that you came today. And uh, what I want to do, you know what? Before we read, could we do this? Could you take your phone real quick, all right, while you're holding your Bible and do something with me? First of all, put it on silent so it doesn't interrupt me while I'm reading the Word of God. If you just turn it on silent and turn your volume down on the side of it, okay? And then the second thing is, if you are, turn your volume down, because if you go on social media first, you're going to hear my, my voice. And so if you'll go on to our church uh, Facebook page and share, uh, and before you do, though, listen, would you pray? God, put this in front of who needs to see it. This isn't just a mindless act. This is the people of God saying, we're, we're saying social media is not evil. It's how you use it that matters. So we want to just overtake that thing right now in all of our circles of friends and influence. So would you pray, God, put this in front of who needs to see it, and then share. And you'll be being a missionary from right there in your chair, OK? So thank you for doing that. We've seen people's lives change all around the world because you guys are doing that, all right? Now. As we've settled in, let's read the text together. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse number 1. We're going to read down through verse number 8. Okay, Verse number 8. Here we go. The former account I made, O Theophilus. The former account. What was the former account? Somebody tell me. What's it called? Luke. The gospel according to Luke. The former uh, account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. I want you to go back to verse 1 and notice what he says. This former account, I'm giving you this account now, that Jesus began both to do and teach. Wait a minute, wait a minute, began to do, began to do. I thought that the greatest phrase of Christmas was, it is finished. Now, wait a minute, how can it be finished but ongoing at the same time? Hold that in thought, we'll come back to it. Verse 3, to whom he also presented himself alive, Jesus did to his disciples, after his suffering by many infallible proofs. Being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Some of it, somebody in here just learned that Jesus resurrected from the dead and stayed on earth for 40 days before he ascended. How many? So somebody here just learned it. That's awesome. You've, you've already learned something this morning. Verse 4. And being assembled together, so they're all the, the disciples and, and Jesus are together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for, y'all read this phrase with me. The promise. Of the Father. All right, now, as we go on today, I need you to take it up a notch, all right? Read that like you're reading the Word of God, like you're fired up about it, all right? So let's try that one again, okay? We're not reading the comic books and we're not reading a newspaper or a novel. Here we go. Read it like you believe it's the Word of God. But, the, the, but for them to wait for the promise of the Father. Amen. Which Jesus said, you heard, you heard it from me. From John, truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus said back to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons uh, of the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to, help me out, the end of the earth. Long ways away. Okay, let's pause for just a moment of prayer. Would you bow with me for just a moment? God, I stop now and give you high praise. Uh, that the people of God saw fit to come out today and say it's important for us to gather under the preaching of the word and gather in time of praise with our voices. So I pray you bless their efforts of being here today by me not wasting one moment of their time. God, I thank you from the oldest in the room to the youngest and everybody in between. I pray, oh God, that the youngest among us would listen, pay attention, keep mom and dad awake, keep a check on them because we get tired. Lord, that they would also take notes and even draw pictures based on what they hear as each week they bless my heart as they come and show me as they listen a whole lot better than most of us older folks. God, I pray for the person here today who is just distraught with life, that you'd push all that away and they'd be able to focus on what you have to say. Now, God, would you, by your spirit, help me to preach this word to this people on this day. And, Father, as you do it, would you anoint our ears that we would hear your voice, what you said through Luke to Theophilus and to the early church, also you're saying to us today. So help us to understand how to apply. Lord, we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of God's word, all right? I want to give you a word definition as we get started this morning, and that word is the word help. Help. Now how many of you would say that you love getting help? How many of you say you love getting help? Just about eight of us, all right? How many of you would say How many of you say that at least some point in your life, receiving help is difficult. Getting help is hard, right? And I don't mean trying to find help. I'm talking about when help comes to your door. It's sometimes difficult, isn't it, to receive when, when when what you do is like to help people and when it, and it comes time for you to be helped, it can be a it can be a hard thing, right? Uh, would you agree with me that as I've gotten older, I've learned to appreciate help on a whole different level. Can anybody amen that statement? So young folk in the room, just hang on. There's gonna come a time when uh, you can't do what you can do now and you're gonna need some, y'all say the word with me. Help. You're going to need some help. Let me give you a definition. Look at the word. It's going to be on the overhead. The word is help. It's a verb. Here's what it means. To make it easier for somebody to do something. Wow. To make it easier for someone to do something by offering one services or resources. One's services or resources. All right? Think about that. Help. We don't really like help. And, and, and I'm going to step out on a limb here and say, us men are probably a little. Look at the guys nodding their heads a little more reluctant to receive help uh, than than the ladies in the room. Would you would is that an accurate statement in your relationship and your dealings with men and okay? And it's why most of the time men will not go to the doctor, right? Oh, okay, I'm going to make it. I'm going to be all right. And so we don't we really just don't like to receive help. Help is making it easier for someone to do something by offering one services or Resources. This past week, I was at the gym, and after uh, finishing a workout, I went to wash my hands and went to the restroom. I locked the door. Somebody says, why do you lock the door to wash your hands? Because I just, that's the thing with me. You can ask, me, and I lock the door. If I go in the restroom, I lock the door. And so as I was trying to come out, and I haven't even told her this, uh, the, the lock on the door uh, didn't unlock when it said it was unlocked. Does that make sense to you? Uh, I turned it from the locked position to the unlocked position. Now, something you might not know about me is I am just a tad claustrophobic. Now, uh, I used to be extremely claustrophobic, but the Lord has really helped me with that. But what happens is if I find myself in a locked room, about the first time I jiggle the handle and it doesn't open, immediately my heart rate goes up about 10 beats per minute first. That's just a little mild step up, OK? And uh, so I jiggle the door and nothing. It's locked. And I'm looking at the thing and I twist it left, twist it right, twist it left, twist it right. Try it again, nothing. And so by the third time, I try to, sh- and I'm, I'm getting a little more violent with my shaking. Y'all understand, you're tracking with me. And in my mind, I'm not thinking rationally at the time. And I go to grab that thing with both hands, because I know I could snatch that thing from the hinges. And I grab that thing with both hands and put my feet down and get a good solid base and squat down. And about that time, somebody starts jiggling from the outside and helps me out. Thanks be to God. I'm still glad to get out of that bathroom today. You know, when I woke up this morning, I said, God, thank you. I'm not still trapped in that bathroom. So help is a good thing. It's, it's making it easier using your, your resources and abilities to help somebody else to accomplish. I can consider other times in my life when I've been helped. I've, can, this is going to be surprising to you. I was thinking about yesterday, as a matter of fact. And uh, yesterday, uh, Tina has been kind of encouraging me to clean up the backyard. And uh, uh, can you believe that old grills? And I know this doesn't fit anybody in the room, but just in case, uh, over time she's been and so. But I needed a trailer. I needed. I need about six dudes. You know what I mean? And and uh, and and I. I would, I would have good intentions, but then I knew I couldn't. There's things I could, just couldn't lift by myself anymore. And so yesterday, I had a friend that messaged me and said, hey, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm just sort of got some things. And he said, well, what if I load up my trailer and head that way? And I was like, what? Yes, that would be awesome. And so uh, Gomez came and spent half the day with me, lifting things that we probably shouldn't be lifting by ourselves, loaded all of that stuff and got clean. And I tell you, when I got up this morning, I looked at the back, back window, and I was like, this is why she was encouraging me to get all that stuff out of there. It looked so good and it felt so good, but I could never have done it without, y'all help me, help. I had to have help. Now listen to me. The Christian life is a mission. And on the mission, you and I are going to have to have help. We're going to have to have help. Now, the problem with me and you is that we don't always accept the help or we don't see our need for help. And so this morning, my hope and prayer is from some of the last words of Jesus before he ascended uh, would encourage us the way he encouraged his disciples, okay? Uh, Notice in the beginning, it says the work and the teachings, and the things that he began to do. And I want you to consider the fact that the work is completed, but the mission is ongoing. Now, the work is where the Son of God left the throne of heaven. Here's the gospel, if you ever want to just kind of hear it and condense down. The son of God left the throne of heaven, came down to earth, wrapped himself in flesh, born of a virgin that he might have the blood, God's perfect blood, pure enough to go as a sacrifice for the sins of all world, right? He went to the cross as a substitute. God dealt with his son according to my sin and your sin instead of having to deal with us according to our sin. And as he dealt our punishment on Jesus, Jesus bled and died and was placed in a bar tomb and on the third day he rose again. There's the good news, all right? So as we hear this good news, uh, we come to the conclusion that our only help to know God and walk with God is Jesus. And so we confess him as Lord, we invite him to come and to save us and to rescue us and and to become our help. And some of us thought that was the whole story. The work was finished, but the mission is ongoing. So then, Jesus completed the work that made the mission possible. Now what was the mission he was on? He was on a mission to seek and save that which was lost. What is that? The souls of mankind. We've now entered into that same mission that Jesus has made possible with his death and resurrection. All right? So there's the mission. There's how we're we're called to live it. Now let's look at how God has provided help for us going back to the text. All right? So put your eyes back on uh, the text here in Acts chapter 1. And I want you to write down just quickly the main idea. If you're our guest, what is the main idea? It's to sum up the whole sermon in a sentence, if you will, a phrase to help us to remember. It's what tomorrow at work when they ask you, what was the sermon about? Oh, it was about you don't have to just say Jesus. You know, and they say, what what about him? Well, just, you know, Jesus. Uh, You'll you'll be able to say today the main idea is the Holy Spirit is help for the mission. I learned yesterday, I learned today, I'm praying that you learned before you leave this room, that the Holy Spirit of God is help for the mission. Okay? Help for the mission. All right, as you've written that down, let's go back and look at verses 4 and 5. Now, I'm skipping the intro because, again, this is just... Luke saying to Theophilus, here's the purpose, Uh, by the way, notice that he says what Jesus began to teach uh, about uh, the things pertaining, the end of verse 3, to the kingdom of God. So uh, Jesus, after the resurrection, is teaching 40 days, 40 long, that's a long time, you know? You think about, a lot of times we had the idea that he resurrected, then the next day he ascended, but no, 40 days. And so as he's here, he's teaching, and what is he talking about? Things pertaining to the kingdom of God, do you see that? Things pertain to the kingdom of God. Now, what is the kingdom of God? It's everywhere that God the king, Jesus the king, has dominion, has rule. You with me? Sometimes we think the kingdom of God is just heaven. But the kingdom of God is everywhere the king, King Jesus, has dominion. Two-part word, kingdom. If you're a child of God, you are part of the kingdom of God. It's where the king now has dominion. Not not us. We don't have dominion anymore. He has dominion of our thoughts and our lives, okay? So let's dive in this morning as we think about, he says this, what Jesus was doing from the resurrection until the ascension. Resurrection is when he rose from the dead. Ascension is when he, a little further on here, where we're going to leave off today, is where he ascends back to on high. Uh, he's teaching about the kingdom of, of God. So look back in verse 4 with me. and. Number one in your notes here, we're going to just kind of look at some things that point back to this main idea. The Holy Spirit is help for the mission. Write this phrase down. It's going to be found in verses 4 and 5. We're going to look for a minute about the promise of the Father, the helper for the mission. Okay? The promise of the Father is the helper for the mission. All right? Now, as you have just a minute to write that down, uh, I want to look at where we find this in verses 4 and 5. Okay? The promise of the Father is helper is the helper for the mission, all right? You all looking with me in verse number four? And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. Now, when you, when you look at this in the, in the original Greek manuscript, here, here is what that literally says. He doesn't just say, uh, stay, go, go to Jerusalem. He says, literally, it's, it says this in the Greek, stop leaving Jerusalem, which gives us the idea that they were going and coming, going and coming, going and coming. And what Jesus is clarifying for them now, I want you to stop going in and out. I want you to stop going here and there. I want you to sit still, oh, don't we hate this, and wait. I want you to stay right here where you are. And I don't want you to go anywhere else but Jerusalem. And I want you to, here's the assignment. You ready? Wait. Don't you love to wait? Isn't waiting your favorite thing to do, you know? Especially when you have something really, really good coming up, isn't it easy to wait, you know? So he says, I want you to stay, and I want you to wait for, and then he tells them for what? Um, But to wait for the promise of the Father. Now, I want to talk for just a minute about what is the promise of the Father. And in order to do so, I've got to rewind back a little further in history of where we are. Okay, so now listen, to keep it clear, we're looking at where Jesus is resurrected and, and spending 40 days. But now to go to the promise, he said, which you already heard, past tense, you heard me say. Let's go back and look at where he told them about the helper, okay. In your notes, write these verses down. John chapter 14. John 14, 16 to 18. Here's what's happening, okay. Jesus at the Last Supper, he's teaching his disciples. He's preparing them for the temporary separation. He's telling them about the promised helper. Let me just read a little of it. John 14, 16 to 18. And I'm going to pray, Jesus said, the Father. And the Father's going to give you, listen to this, another, say the word with me, helper somewhere in your notes there, you need to write this statement, I am needy. Now some of y'all want to shout amen about somebody else in the room, but that's not the point. The point is, is that we, every single one of us, from the front of the room to the back and both sides, are needy people. We need the help of God to live the mission. We're needy. I'm telling you we're needy. And Jesus knew this. So, so notice what he says. He says that I'm going to pray the Father, and the Father's going to send, and now, now don't miss the first word, another helper. What we know from that then is Jesus himself has been helping them, right, with truth and, 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 and all the, the things of the kingdom. So now he says, but I'm going to be leaving, and the Father's going to send you another helper, all right? Uh, he says that the, this helper, he, notice that when the helper is referred to here, he's not referred to as it. He's referred to as he. You know why? Because the helper, the Holy Spirit of God, is a person. Uh, he thinks, he wills, he acts, he has emotions. Uh, the Holy Spirit of God, please never refer to the Holy Spirit as it. He's the third person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. When we say third, that's not a ranking order. It's just that we can't say one, right? And so the Holy Spirit of God. Listen to what he goes on to say. He's going to abide with you. I'm back in John fourteen sixteen. 16, abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because the world doesn't see him nor know him. But you, disciples, the guys that have left everything, just watch the work of God. He says, you know him. And the reason that you know him, he's talking to his disciples, is because he dwells with you. you. You've seen the evidence of the Holy Spirit working all around the details. Don't you know that when he's saying that, some of the guys in the room are like, yeah. When we came and found this donkey, just like he said, it was tied up. When we started taking the donkey and the owner came up, he told us what to say, and that man, some somebody helped us in that moment, huh? Somebody helped the owner of that donkey not arrest us for untying their donkey because we simply said the Lord has use of it, right, has need of it. So when he said, you've seen him dwell with you, they got it. They're like, yeah, we've seen supernatural help. Yes, we have. But then Jesus changed everything when he said this, and he says he, he, he dwells with you and he now, remember, this is before the crucifixion. Jesus is speaking to him, and he says, but he will be, and I want you to say the two words with me, he will be Jesus. in you. Now, that's a game changer, amen? That's a life changer. That is, uh, some of you in here do not get it because you have not received the Holy Spirit, and because of that, you can imagine the kind of excitement, the kind of uh, encouragement, the kind of power, the kind of understanding, the kind of guidance, the kind of comfort, the kind of peace that the Spirit of God brings when he's not operating just out here, but he's operating inside of here. My goodness, what a wonderful plan that Jesus said, I'm going to bleed and die for the sins of all the world. I'm going to resurrect from the dead. And then whosoever calls on my name, I'm going to send my spirit to live inside of them. Glory to God. Where would I be today without the Holy Spirit of God? Directing and guiding. Listen to what he goes on to say in this passage. He says, he dwells with you. I'm back in John 14, 16. And he dwells with you, but he will be in you. And Jesus concluded this little section by saying, I'm not going to leave you, say the word with me, orphans. Yes, I'm going to die and resurrect, and then 40 days later I'm going to ascend. but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to make you try to figure this out on your own. I'm not going to give you a mission that is contrary to your very nature and then not give you the help to live it out. I'm not going to leave you orphans. That's what Jesus said. Uh, I am going to come to you. So uh, let me just encourage you that the promise has already was already made, and so now he's seeing these disciples in the resurrected form. And he's saying, now, you go wait for what I told you was coming, the promise of the Father, the Helper, the Holy Spirit. Let me give you another verse, and just moving forward in John 16 now, and I'm going to give you a couple of verses here, and then we're going to move forward. John 16, 5 through 7. Still at the time when Jesus is encouraging his disciples in those last hours, as they're celebrating that Passover meal and time together, here's what he says in John 16, 5 through 7. Jesus said, but now. You're reading along with me. But now I go away. And I'm going away somewhere specific to him who sent me. By the way, who sent Jesus? God did. God the Father. And none of you asked me, where are you going? Jesus said, it's interesting that I told you I'm going somewhere, and you hadn't asked me. Hey, where are you going? But instead, because I've said these things to you, he says, help me out. Sorrow has filled your heart. And the next phrase, read it with me. Nevertheless... I tell you, I want you to say these last, say five words with me. I tell you the truth. Let's stop right there for a minute. Jesus is telling them, hey, guys, I told you that I'm going away, and your heart is filled with sorrow because you're operating on a lie. You believe that for me to leave you is to be harmful to you. You believe for me, because, and, and listen, it makes sense. They've seen Jesus touch blinded eyes. They've, seen, they've heard him say, a little girl arise, and a dead girl come back to life. Uh, they've seen demons run to him that no man could fool with, run to Jesus and bow down and worship him, and then be cast into swine. I'm telling you, they've seen some phenomena. So logic says it's better for that guy to be with me. And he says, but, but the lie of your logic is causing you to be filled with sorrow, anxiety, and distress. Let me ask you a question. Has that happened to you ever? And he he says, now, nevertheless, here's the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth. All right, let's read a little further into that. Here's what the truth is. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's not a bad thing that I'm going away. Matter of fact, it is to your, read with me, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because, Jesus said, if I don't go away, help me out, the helper will not come to you. I've got to, I've died, I'm going to resurrect my presence in heaven will be your intercession. Hallelujah. Pick that up this morning. And because of that, I'll now be able to put my own spirit inside of every man, woman, boy, and girl, the whosoever's of the world who trust and confess Jesus Christ is Lord. It's says to your advantage. Because, see, when Jesus chose to become a man and live down here on earth, he was limited in time and space to where his body was. Is anybody with me? Say amen. If we wanted to go see Jesus at the time he was here on the earth, we had to go where? Jesus was, but now the advantage is he is wherever you are. How about that? Uh, You don't have to go over to Jerusalem to meet with him. You don't have to go to the uh, Old Testament temple to find him. Uh, You can simply invite him to come and be the Lord of your life, and he will be with you forever wherever you are. Uh, Oh, I wish I could tell you this morning what it feels like to have the presence of God with you in every circumstance and situation. Some of you in here know what I'm talking about. It brings a peace and a joy in the midst of tears and heartache, the nights of which this world cannot compare. He goes on to tell them, I do not go. If I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, Jesus said, I will I love this. I, listen to the word. I will send him to you. Now, can you imagine? I, I'm being a little, you know, crazy here. But imagine when Jesus ascended back to the right hand of the Father. It was almost like a tag. You're it. And Jesus said, now the work is finished, but the mission's ongoing. The work is finished. Only Jesus, the son, the perfect lamb, could could finish the work, the sacrificial work that had to be done. Only the spirit could come and do the ongoing work of empowering believers to live the mission. Are you picking that up this morning? It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Isn't God wise? Isn't he all knowing? He knows just how to do it what he intends to do. And so this morning, I have a question for you. And the question is simply this. And I want you to sort of look up. If you've been looking down, I want you to look up. If you're drawing or writing right now, I want everybody in the room to look up. And here's the question I want to pose to you this morning. Because, because Jesus said, uh, you're going to wait here in Jerusalem, and you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. My question for you is this. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Now, don't answer that out loud. Do you have? I want you to write it somewhere. If you don't take any other notes, please write this question somewhere if you have to type it in your phone. Do I have the Holy Spirit? Okay, so go ahead and write that. I'll give you just a second, all right? And please don't just stare at me blankly like some of you are. Just jot it down somewhere. Do I have the Holy Spirit? Is there evidence? Now, some of, I believe this, the majority of us will say, oh, yes, 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 I have the Holy Spirit. How do you know? Like, what reason would you have to believe that? Uh, In other words, what sort of fruit is on the tree? Because did you know that according to the Word of God, that it is the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit produces fruit in the life of the believer. So it would be logical to say, no fruit, no. So this morning, do you have the helper? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Now, some of you are looking at me like, I don't know. Tell me. I I can't answer for you. Uh, You've got to answer for yourself. I pray before we leave, you'll have that completely settled in your heart. So the next question, logical question, would simply be, well, when do I receive him? You know how do I know where do I get him? Somebody here's just logically thinking and I, I get it because I 'm a logical thinker Where do I go to pick him up <laughs> like uh, I go somewhere to get him or how does, how does this thing work and and interestingly enough isn't it isn't it neat that Jesus when they ask Jesus about you know you're going to receive the holy spirit they don't they don't ask him where he's where's he going or any of that stuff they don 't ask him what that's going to be like they ask a different question and we'll get to that in a minute so When do we receive the Holy Spirit? Let me give you a verse, Ephesians 1 and verse 13. Write it down. Ephesians 1 and verse 13. There's all kind of contradiction about when we receive the Holy Spirit of God. You will find in the book of Acts only, the beginning of the book of Acts, some different times people receive the Spirit. Only in the beginning of Acts. You won't see it again any time other. So from that point forward, we go into Ephesians and hear the teaching on when it is that we are sealed and receive the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1 and verse 13. Uh, would you read this with me? It's on the overhead. Yes. All right. Uh, read along with me in your head and heart as I read out loud. In him also you trusted. Who's he talking about? Jesus. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, having believed. Now leave that up there for me in just a minute having believed remember that root of that word is pistuo which means to believe that leads to action the action is not just praying a prayer but the action involves uh, repentance which means just an acknowledgement that i'm not headed in the right direction that i'm not the, i'm not i'm not i'm not qualified to be lord and so repentance means, oh, I'm headed the wrong way, and I'm willing then to turn and invite, and Jesus meets me right there. So repentance leads to confession, meaning the Holy Spirit reveals to me that Jesus bled and died for me and rose again, and then I, I have to respond. I have to respond to that, and I have, I'm have, i responsible for responding to say, yes, I want Jesus to come and be Lord. Well, all right, what happens? So belief is a two-part act. you see that? I'm believing, and it leads me to repentance and confession that Jesus Christ is Lord, letting go of the steering wheel, if you will. So, all right, what happens after I believe? Are you reading with me? Also, having believed, what happened right after you believed, you were with who? Oh, you mean it's that simple? It is that simple. After you believed, and it's a two-part. Now, listen, some of us think that belief is just a head knowledge. That's not it. Belief, salvation type of belief is believing in such a way that we abandon ourselves, die to ourselves, and completely surrender to King Jesus, confessing him as Lord. After you having believed, you received, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. Isn't that good news? So do you have him? There will be evidence. Let me just say that when the Holy Spirit comes to take residence in a heart, he begins a work. Listen to me. It's not a one-time, one-and-done prayer. Is anybody with me out there? Uh, That begins the journey. But the rest of the journey looks like me drawing near to the word of God and the spirit of God on a daily. And the word and the spirit change me. Listen to me, little by little. Some of you in here today, you've come in and you thought, you know what? I did that a long time ago, but I'm just, I can't believe I still sin. I can't believe I still struggle. I can't believe I still have anger. I I can't believe I, and I would like to put those uh, animosities to rest to say you are a work in progress, which means have a little grace for yourself, but not to the point of complacency where you don't say, Lord, here I am. I need you to work on me today. So uh, we find this wonderful truth of the Holy Spirit. My question is, do you have the Holy Spirit? We'll come back to that. Number two in your notes, all right? Now, these next ones we're going to hit kind of quickly. Is that all right with you all? Great. I knew it would be because some of you look like you're hungry this morning. Uh, Number two, without the helper, and this is going to be verse number six, we live our mission. Did you all know that about me and you? Who's that? Just me and one other person up in the room this morning. I know y'all are writing. L- let me ask you again: Do you know that if we are not, are we? If we are without the Holy Spirit, we'll live our own mission. D- did you know that we can have the Holy Spirit and 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 be ignoring Him and still live our own mission? Yeah. Uh, so listen to what happens here. I'm going to prove this to you now. Now, listen. I want you just to logically think through what we're talking about. This group, now we're going back to we're going back to Acts 1.8. So this is we went we went back before the crucifixion, resurrection, John 14 and 16. Now we're coming back to Acts 1. Y'all, y'all okay with that? Everybody good? So now back in the conversation, resurrected Jesus disciples, and he says to them, um, some things he says, Hey, I, I want you to see, and he's been telling them that they're going to receive the Holy Spirit. That's never been done. There's never been a, a time when now God would place his spirit on people and put it in people on his, on his own, but this was, this was like every person who will now receive Him And Jesus is saying, not many days from now, all of y'all are going to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, what sort of questions would you ask? F- first of all, uh, you understand that because they're going to receive him later, right, they don't have him now. He's not come yet. Are y'all with me? So they are without the Holy Spirit. So Jesus has been telling them, now I don't know about you guys, but I would ask something like this. Is it going to hurt? I mean, it's never happened. We don't know. I mean, now I've seen it and I've, I've experienced it, and I've seen it in you guys, and I know it's what it's like. But if I had never, if it, I'd been like, is this going to require surgery? Like, are you going to put me to sleep? Or, I mean, come on, y'all. We we we, we approached this thing like it was already a written story, and it wasn't. It was happening. I'd have been in the group saying, "Okay, all right, hey Jesus, look, I know this sounds like a stupid question, but is it going to be painful?" But the question they asked was something so different. He's telling them that they're about to receive God's own spirit within their lives. And this is the question they come up with, living their mission. Now, I need to give you some background. Understand that every Jewish person ever born at this particular time in history was under the influence and persuasion that when the Messiah came, that when when the leader came, when the the help from God came, he was going to be a military leader. And he was going to deliver them from Roman oppression. Y'all tracking with me? So that's their whole mantra. That's that's what they're thinking about. It's the theme of their life. And they've been through everything they've seen him do and watch and experience. And he's telling them that you're about to get the Holy Spirit. Here's what they say. Look in verse number 6 with me. They asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Do you see they were still on their same mission? Now, let me pause here and tell you how excited I am that Jesus had not limited himself to such a small scope of mission to just free the Jewish people from Roman oppression. If that was the scope of his mission, my dear friend, you and I would be lost and without hope, still groping in darkness, headed on the fast track to a lake of fire. But because the scope of his mission was so much greater, but theirs was not, and they didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. And because they didn't have the Holy Spirit yet, they were still led by their own emotions and their own learning and their own desires. You with me? And so after all that he said about this beautiful truth that man was going to be able to house God, they say, hey, okay, now is it time? Are you fixing to defeat the Romans now? Are we going to be able to be free? And if you and I aren't careful, listen. If you and I aren't careful, if we don't have the Holy Spirit, if we're not led by the Holy Spirit, listen, we will also live our own missions. You know what our own mission looks like? It looks like the American dream. It looks like plan a good career, you know, buy a house, try to buy a house and a piece of land if you can, you know, work hard, play hard, come to church occasionally. It's a southern thing to do. And, and that, my friend, is a self-centered, self-righteous type of mission. Are you with me? It's all about what makes my life more comfortable here. It's why a great percentage of us will not come back tonight because it would be uncomfortable for you to sacrifice another hour. It's our mission. Now, don't get me wrong. We like to fit. Y'all are all looking around like, did he just say that? (laughs) Yeah, I know me and you. And what we'll try to do then is to fit Jesus in as long as we can stay on our mission. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to be. This is the person I want to marry. And so on, and so on, and so on. And what a mess we make when we live our own mission. How do you know about that, preacher? You act like somebody knows what he's talking about. Yeah, because I've lived it a lot of days. Let me move on, if I can, to number three. Look in verse number seven with me. And I'm going to hit this one quickly again. The next truth I want you to see is we're talking about this one main idea that the Holy Spirit is help for the mission. We said the promise of the Father was helper, helper for the mission. Second, we said, without the helper, we live our own mission. Third, God will complete his plan. Write that down. I'm going to explain. God will complete whose plan? Who will complete it? God will. God will complete his own plan. Let me show you verse number seven. So they ask him, hey, is this going to be the time you deliver, you know, your people, kingdom of Israel? And Jesus said, it is not for you to know. Y'all reading with me verse number seven. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Nobody else's. His own authority. You know, there's a place in the Scripture where Jesus said he didn't even know the day and the time. Only the Father. Now, Jesus is saying, you guys are so focused on future events that you're missing out on what I'm trying to tell you. I'm about to give you help for the mission. I'm about to give you my spirit to help you live this mission out. And you're focused on end times, right? Now, let me just say something about our day and time. Did you know that next week I could start preaching prophecy from the Old Testament and New Testament and Revelation, and this place would be so full we'd have to get, it'd be standing room only. You know why? Because people are infatuated with wanting to know when. And when you study Revelation and and, and prophetic scripture, Old Testament prophetic scripture, I want you to understand you're not studying it to figure out the when. You're not trying to interpret the signs and watching everything that's going on in the world. Uh, Some people told me, well, you should be watching everything that's going on. I said, no, I'm not. I just know it could be today. I don't need some archaeological discovery in Israel to tell me that. I believe every day when I wake up, this could be the day. This could be the day of his return. So the purpose of it all, he's saying, is that they don't need to pay attention to that. They need to live the mission. Can I say that to you this morning? Don't, be, don't wrap yourself up in all that stuff. Know it's coming. Trust him. He's the only one who's worthy to help us. Win, win, win. And, and let me just say this to you. What he wants me and you to do is to live the mission until he calls us home. To live the mission, by the help of the Holy Spirit. All right, moving on, if I can, all right, moving on to number four. Can you believe we've gotten down to the last point? I want to say this to you. Number four is found in verse number eight, all right, verse number eight. here's what I want you to write. The promised helper provides power for the mission, okay? The promised helper provides power for the mission. I'm going to give you a second to write that, and then we're going to discuss it, okay? The promised helper provides Power for the mission. There may be a young person in here drawing a picture of the Holy Spirit holding somebody up or giving them strength to carry on or helping them walk. Uh, The promised helper provides power for the mission, all right? By the way, isn't it a high honor to, to be part of the family of God and to be invited and empowered to join the mission of reconciling lost mankind to a holy God? Hey, that's worth waking up for, not not clocking in and getting your eight hours and planning for your retirement. Good Lord, how boring is that? Now, I know it's necessary. you got to keep the lights on. Planning's not bad. But you're talking about living with passion and fervency. So when you wake up and you have a mission ahead of you and you get to go live it by the power of the Spirit, my goodness, promised helper provides power for the mission. Look at verse number 8. And you shall receive. Y'all help me. You shall receive. Boy, that sounded awful weak. But you shall receive. Power. 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 Now, I don't know about you guys, but I want to live a life full of the power of God. Now, I'm not talking about power to help me lift things. I thank God Gomez helped me with some of that. I'm talking about power from God to overcome sin in my life. I'm talking about power in my life that when I I pray and I'm walking in unity with God, God does things and changes things. I, I'm talking about the kind of power that, that, that where we are, we're influencers. And God uses us to change culture and people's lives and, and help marriages and single folk and parents and all across the board. Oh, I'm telling you, it's a joy to have the power of God. And I, I don't know about you, but I want more of it. And I believe this. I believe every one of us could use more of the power of God in our lives. It's not wrong to desire that. Motivation being not to have stuff, but to have it make an impact for the kingdom. Verse 8, but you shall receive power. Now, interestingly enough, of all the power the Holy Spirit gives us, Jesus brings to mind one particular thing to his disciples. He says, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall then be in power to be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. All right? Now, he said, You're gonna, I'm going to empower you to be a witness. So what is your mission, child of God, to be a witness? To be a witness. Well, what did I witness? You witnessed Jesus. Well, what does a witness do? A witness testifies. Do you understand that a witness is of no value if the he or she does not testify? Let that weigh on you for just a minute. Let's just imagine for a moment, if we could, that as life was unfolding, somebody broke into Cliff's tire shop. And they stole the tires and his equipment. And and there were a couple of people in the gas station next door. And they saw it happen. And, it cost Cliff a lot of money, and they arrested the person. They brought him in for trial. And they had uh, the only evidence they had, though, was, was these witnesses. And they brought the first witness up. They call him Witness A, and Witness A takes the stand. And they began to be questioned, hey, tell us about what you saw, what you experienced. And the witness, the court's there, the judges there, everything's going on. And the witness says, I plead the fifth. Fifth Amendment, I'm not going to say anything. Uh, that witness has just wasted the time of the court and everybody involved because they have no value or bearing on the situation. Y'all, tracking with me? There are a lot of those kind of witnesses in the room this morning. Your life, because you've not testified of Jesus, has had no bearing or influence on the culture around you. Now, that's a little uncomfortable to hear, isn't it? True nonetheless. No influence. If any influence, negative influence. And let me say to you that if you're a child of God, the mission of your life is to testify, both in deed and in word. So I want you to just think about that for a minute. He said, here's what the Holy Spirit's going to help you do. Here's what he's going to empower you to do. Not leap over buildings with a single bound. Not not, not, the Holy Spirit's not going to give you power to have laser beams out of your eyes, which I thought, I think would have been super cool. But the Holy Spirit's going to empower you Testify. You're going to tell people about what He's done in your life. You're going to tell people about what He's done to reconcile man to God. You're going to tell them about the things He's changing in your life. You're going to tell people about, you're going to testify what He's teaching you. You're going to testify. Let me ask you, when's the last time you testified to people about what Jesus is teaching you? When's the last time you sat down and testified with somebody about how He transformed your life, how He rescued you out of a pit, how He changed your dark heart, how He gave you a new heart, how He rescued you, forgave all your sin? This is the last time you sat down and just told somebody, let me tell you about what Jesus has done for me and what he can do for you. So many of us are missing the mission, and because of that we're having no bearing, and what's happening is culture's decaying all around us. And what we'd rather do is blame the politicians. And let me just say to you that when we blame, we block repentance. and we block repentance, it stops reconciliation and restoration. And so what we ought to do is individually say, good night. I have been part of the problem that I've been fussing at Joe Biden about because I've not testified of Jesus. I've not been a witness of what he has done and what he can do. Oh, that's the kind of power, the Holy Spirit empowers. That's the mission. Let me move on. So then he moves on and talks about the where, all right? The where. So where is it that we should be living this mission? First of all, notice he says, In, you're reading along in verse number eight, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me where? First, in Jerusalem, which is where they were. That's where they were. He says, stop going in and out. I want you to settle in here, and I want to give you the Holy Spirit right here, and I want you to start right here. Now, the problem is, he had told them that they needed to carry to the ends of the earth, but they sort of stayed right there until persecution came. If you'll read through the book of Acts, you'll find out that the church didn't really disperse until people started getting murdered and killed and martyred. Woo. Talk about motivation. And they began to leave out of those areas and flee. But when they fleed, when they, when they let flown, flew, I don't know, when they left, <laughs> wherever they found themselves, they didn't let fear grip their heart and silence their message. They kept testifying. You know why? They had the Holy Spirit of God. And everywhere they went, they testified. And because of that, churches started and people began. Because churches where people would become born again and they just began to flourish and all the missions. So Jerusalem is where we are. Let me just say uh, Jerusalem is your house. It's your family. That's your first mission is your family. And by the way, at uh, the end of this month, we're going to be having a parenting summit. What? First one at Hickory Ridge. And we're going to have breakout sessions of all different kinds of parenting, grandparent parenting, uh, parenting blended families. That thing just popped on the overhead. That guy's is good, isn't he? Uh, thank you for that. And, and so uh, you say, what would you bring that up for? Because it's the ministry of the church to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Your first ministry, your first mission is your home it's your home. And parenting, if you're a parent, is part of your mission. And so we're going to talk about all kinds of, all kind of breakout sessions. We're going to have catfish. That'll get some of y'all there. And it's going to be a great time. And I hope that you'll sign up quickly because we need child care. We've got to get all that figured out. But you ought to be saying, if I'm going to fa- listen, what's the church here for? We're here to help equip you and me to Better effectively live the mission. So there it is at home. So Jerusalem, it's your home. It is your neighborhood. It's where you live. It's where you work. It's where God's got you already planted. It's the school you're in. It's the county you live in. It's there. That's your mission. And so so Jerusalem. But then he says Judea, which is a little further out, but still of the same like-minded people. But then he throws in there Samaria. And some people used to tell me when I was younger, well, Samaria is just a little further out, a little further out, a little further out. And then I began to do a little study, and that's not the case at all. It's about the same distance. It's part of Judea. It's all, all kind of. So, what's the point of Samaria? Well, you have to know a little bit about culture and time. The Jews, come on, somebody's about to say it, hated the Samaritans. And the Samaritans hated the Jews. And let me just tell you something as ugly as racism has been in America and still is in a lot of ways, the likes of which the racism that we experience and we see and we propagate is pales in comparison to the hatred the Jews had for the Samaritans and the Samaritans had for the Jews. And here's what here's what Jesus is saying. You can't do that. You can't, listen, you can't live the mission in your home. You can't live the mission in Judea. You can't. You sure can't live the mission to the people you are prejudiced against. Some of y'all are looking at me like, I'm not prejudiced against anybody, to which I'd say hogwash. It may not have to do with the color of their skin. It may be their education level. It may be the piercings on their face or the tattoos they have on their body. It may be the education level that they've come to. It may be the kind of language they use. It may be the lifestyle they've chosen. But there are some areas in our hearts that are very prejudiced. Can I just tell you that this morning about me and you? And we need the help of God, amen, we need the help of God. So He said, you're not going to go to the people. Here's the, probably the most common prejudice I hear in the South. You ready? Here it is. I hate a thief. Now, God didn't hate a thief. He hates stealing. And so some of us are prejudiced to those who stole, taking taken things that didn't belong to them. We say, that's the worst, lowest of the low, and we ain't got nothing for them. And that's your mission field. That's where you're called to go to, to serve, to seek and save the lost, and share, testify of Jesus. And some of you are thinking to yourself, I couldn't do that, I don't want to do that. That's right, because it's a work of the Holy Spirit. Only the Helper can motivate my dark heart and your dark heart to go to the people who we don't like and share the good news of Jesus and tell them that He can save them and that He loves them and that He's transformed our lives and given us a purpose for living. Oh, that you and I would live the mission. And then he goes on to say to, the, to those who are far from us, to the end of the earth. And he's talking here not just about, um, he's talking about everywhere that's hard and far and, 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 and where people can't hardly to get to. And, he, and notice he didn't say, notice you don't see in this passage Jesus saying to them that the Holy Spirit's going to empower you to reach Jerusalem or Judea or, you see, notice he didn't do that. What he said was the Holy Spirit's going to empower you to reach Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. See, the Holy Spirit's not limited to give you power just to reach the people in your little area. He's powerful enough to use us to reach people all over the world. We're called to both and. Now, that doesn't mean you're called to every one of those areas. Now, I thought somebody would shout amen right there. But you are called to some areas. That's what you need to hear. And God is not, you're not going to work. God's sending you to work. You're not going back to school. God's sending you back to school to be on mission, to live the mission. All right, let me move on if I can. So one question in closing. Why then, if Jesus said, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you'll have power to testify? You're going to go about witnessing of me everywhere. Why then do our lives look so different? Isn't that a logical question? Like, do you believe the same Holy Spirit 2,000 years ago that was given to Paul and, and Matthew and, you know, is the same Holy Spirit given to me and you? Do y'all believe, how many of you believe the same Holy Spirit? He's the same God. He doesn't change. So now, now he's given to us. And so the question beckons answering, why does my life, and, and we, can have, we have to answer this one individually, by the way. You have to ask yourself this question. Why does my life not look like that? How have I been living so much of my mission? Has it been that I've not heard this? Has it been that my heart's not tugged at serving and, and living the mission? What, what? So two possibilities this morning I want to talk about in closing. Number one, you don't have the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you something. It's a lonely, difficult, confusing journey trying to fake the Christian life. Won't make sense, sacrifice won't make sense to you. Heavens, no. If we have a building project or some ministry opportunity in this hunting season, you won't even consider it. No way, it doesn't make any sense, sacrifice. No. The Holy Spirit, when you read the scripture, it doesn't make any sense. You're like, what in the world is this talking about? And you go out in life and it's like living on a, rap- a, a, a white cap rapids without having a guide on the boat. And, and you've been, tr- listen to me, you've been trying so hard for so long to convince yourself that you're Christian because you're trying to produce the fruit of the Spirit by yourself. And you're tired. You're worn down. You're doubting. You don't want, you're wondering what else is there. And for you, I would say, look over your life. The Scripture says this way, examine to see whether you're in the faith. So my question for you this morning would simply be, can you go back to a time in your life when the Spirit of God pricked your heart when he began to stir your emotions and draw you to himself and to show you who you are without him, lost and separated, he showed you by his spirit, someone preaching or someone testifying, that Jesus loved you so much that he died for you. And that he was so powerful that he came back from the dead. And as the spirit did that, you, can you go back and find that time? And at that moment, you waved the white flag. You said, huh. and, and, wow, in light of that new information, God did that for me. I'm waving the white flag, and I'm inviting Jesus to come and be the Lord of my life. It's not the end of the journey. It's the beginning of the journey. Some of you right now, if I was to ask you, when was that? Where were you? You may not know the date. i have mean, never tell you you have to know the date. I'm just saying, when something so significant as being born again happens, you're going to recall where you were what was going on. So if you don't have the Holy Spirit and you're not saved, my question simply for you today is this. What are you waiting for? The trade-off of trying to produce fruit in your life on your own and trying to fake the Christian life and what it means to have it being produced in you is, oh, I wish I could tell you, there's no comparing what it's like when the Spirit is doing the work. I wish I could... Just talk you into it this morning. But I believe this, if the Spirit of God is drawing you, you, you today, I wish you just wave the white flag. You don't have to go into a bunch of theological, you don't have to go into a bunch of memory. You know, listen, if, if the Spirit of God is stirring your heart, and the first you've ever heard of this good news, what are you waiting for? You don't have to wait till an invitation time. You don't have to come down, hug my neck, or shake my hand. You can, right now, where you're seated, invite Jesus to come and be Lord. In light of this new information, he bled and died for you and rose again. You could personally surrender to Him today. Secondly, so there's two options. Number one. Number two is this. We're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Would you write that in your notes? Either we're lost and don't have the Holy Spirit, or number two, we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you are looking at me like, what do you mean filled with the Holy Spirit? Because, preacher, you just told me back from Colossians 1.13 that when I believed and confessed Jesus, what happened? I received and was sealed in the Holy Spirit. Now, did I I just get his arm? Or did I just get his head and not his leg? I mean, what what are you you trying to, what are you saying here? Well, let me help you by giving you another verse to help us understand it. Here it is, Ephesians 5 and verse 18. Listen to what Paul says here. Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation. You're being controlled by the wrong thing. But instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, do you know that that the verb tensions there literally says this, be being filled. Be being filled. So, preachers, does that mean I need to be being filled right now? Yes. What about two years from now? Yep. Six months? Absolutely. In the morning? Yes. In the evening? Yes. Wake up in the middle of the night, be being filled. Now, the question beckons, why do I need to be filled, right? Here it is. You ready? I heard it said this way one time, just as an illustration. We leak. Don't we leak? Meaning that when we give our life to Christ, we let go of the steering wheel. That's what it means to die to ourselves. We get out of the driver's seat and we invite Jesus. That's what salvation looks like. But along the journey, if we're not careful, what happens is we'll take and put one hand back on the steering wheel. Uh, I'm reminded of teaching my children to drive. In order for them to drive, you have to get out of the driver's seat. Now, parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, older folk, would you agree with me that for the first few times, that's a little bit of a nerve-wracking situation? Not too long ago, we were leaving a place, and Anna Grace was driving. She's not here, so she'll have to defend herself later. And she was turning into the island curb in the middle, and she couldn't see it. From her perspective, and she was turning right into it. And so, me from the passenger side front seat, can you imagine what I did? I reached and grabbed the steering wheel and pulled it away. Oftentimes, that's what we do in our surrender to the Lord. We say, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that you're Lord, and I want you to come and be in control. And we do it. We We get out of the driver's seat, and we get in the passenger seat, and then we start heading down the road, and He says, You know what? I want you to teach. And you say, Whoa, whoa. Oh, I'm not going to teach. I want you to pray with your wife and lead your children. Wait a second. got to get back over in this lane now. I can touch baseball. I can teach them how to throw a curve, but I don't. He says, I want you to live the mission radically. I want you to be gathered as the church every time there's an opportunity. We say, whoa, whoa, hit that blinker, baby. I'm going to sit in my passenger seat, but I'm going to hit the blinker. Let's get out of this lane. And that's why Paul said you're going to have to be being filled. It's a matter of surrender. It's a matter of surrender, so we have to surrender, and we have to surrender, and we have to surrender. Come on, y'all help me. And we have to surrender, and then we'll need to surrender, and then we'll have to surrender, and it's a continual series of surrender. And we look up and we find ourselves living the mission, empowered by the Spirit of God. Oh, this morning I, I gave you a question earlier. I said, I said, do you have the Holy Spirit? But I want to I conclude and go into a time of prayer with this question. Does the Holy Spirit have you? Does he have you? Who's li- whose mission are you living? Does he have you? So what I want to do is invite you to bow with me for just a moment. Will you do that? Just where you're sitting, just quiet as you can. Maybe put your stu- pack your stuff up real quick, your notes and things. Set them over to the side so you won't be distracted. You'll be comfortable in a prayer time. And as you're doing that for just a moment, I want you to just consider two two questions. First of all, do I have the Holy Spirit? Somebody here needs to wrestle with that this morning. Do I have the Holy Spirit? Have I been born again? Can I say with certainty that I have invited Jesus to be the Lord of my life? If not, my friend, listen, you need to do it right now. You don't need to wait. Now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. I don't care how long you've been in church or if this is your first trip ever. Uh, if, If Jesus is not the Lord of your life, this needs to change right now. You can, you can do it right where you're seated, right where you're, some of you are in the captain's room at the nurse's station, right where you are, you could right now bow down before the high King of heaven, die to yourself, say, so I don't want to live my mission anymore because you died for me and rose again. I want you to come and live inside me and forgive my sin, give me purpose for living, empower me for the mission. Now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm going to ask a very serious question this morning, and I'm, Some of you, listen, you're so scared to death, and I'm not going to call you down the front. That'll be your choice. But I'm asking you an honest question from my heart to yours. If you're here today, and I'm not going to come find you, I'm not playing any games with you. I just believe there's some folk in our midst today that got saved. I believe there's some people getting saved right now. And if that's you, and your head's bowed and eyes closed, not a soul looking around the room, I just want you to lift your hand up, But I want you to hold it up and don't let it back down. I'm not going to call you out, I'm not going to get you to come down front. I see you right there. Just hold it up. I see you right there. I see you back there. Just hold it up and just leave it right there, just for a moment so I can scan around this room. Are you going to place your hands down? Father, I just want to say thank you today that in our very midst, the greatest miracle that can ever happen has taken place in this room. There have been some people who've been trying to pretend and trying to produce the fruit on their own. There's somebody who maybe heard the gospel for the first time today. Help them let go of the reins. Get out of the driver's seat. Confess you as Lord. Receive forgiveness. Father, I ask you now to to deal with us as children. Now, what I want to do is this. I want to ask, is there a person in the room that might come down to the altar and just begin to pray for the rest of our response time? I mean pray like there's no tomorrow, that God would move and people would respond. Thank you, people getting out of their chairs. Matter of fact, will you all stand up help me out? Just stand up for a second help me out. As people are wanting to come down, just spend some time at the altar. Maybe you've never in your whole life ever come down to an altar publicly and prayed. And I just want to challenge you. If the Spirit's stirring today, don't let fear grip you. Don't let pride keep you today. Just leave out of your chair come down. Just begin to pray. And pray silently. not to pray with anybody. Just pray by yourself, you and Jesus. Would you, pray, would you pray with all your mind if there's any others among us? There were about four or five that raised their hand. Would you pray if there's any other among us who do not know Jesus, who have not settled that, that today they'd hear the Spirit's voice and not harden their heart, but say yes to Jesus? Now, as you're praying for salvation, could we all pray for this as well? What if, what if individually we all surrendered more today? And think of that. Think of the potential there. What if every single one of us today said, Lord, I want to surrender more of me. Help me to do that. I give you my thought life. Lord, I give you my resources. I give you my talents and gifts and abilities. I give you all my excuses. God, please do a work in my life this morning. Please do a work in my heart. I can't do it. I can't fake it anymore. God, would you please transform how I'm thinking. Give me passion for you. Do you have the Holy Spirit, and then and then, does He have you? Would you give yourself over to Him completely today? The altar's open, Gerald's already down front, Brian's down front with us, Taylor coming down as well, I believe. Ladies, if you'd like to have a lady to pray for you, Taylor's down. Something on your heart. I think Tina's going to stand with me. She didn't know that, but I'm going to invite her to do that. Ladies, if you need a lady to pray with you, that's what they're there for. So I'm praying, Father, please move, please move in our hearts today.